happens every year on uh, the Sunday after Pentecost. We celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. Certainly uh, an aspect of our faith that's rather challenging, maybe confusing, difficult to talk to other people about. And so I thought today I would just kind of talk a little bit about why we believe what we believe about the nature of God as existing in three persons in one God. One of the uh, ways of looking at the truths of Christian faith that I've always been drawn to is one put forward by one of our tapestry figures, St. Thomas Aquinas. And he breaks uh, the truths of Christianity down into two different types. The first type of truth, he says, are the truths which are discoverable by human reason. That we wouldn't need God to come down and tell us something that we could discover in this type of truth. Right? That it's verifiable by direct evidence, by observation, by experience, by independent verification. Right? That's the first type of truth. But then he says there's a second type of truth, which is a, a truth that's not available to direct evidence or observation or experience. Not available to independent verification. It requires believing one who has the credibility to tell you something and believing that person has the authority and believing on account of their authority. I've often compared this when I'm teaching this to college students to if, if you were going on a date with someone and there would be a bunch of things about this person that you could discover in that first set of truths, right? So, of course, you would, you would first kind of stalk them on social media. Right? Like before the date, you know, because you want to make sure you're not going on a date with a real creep, you know, so you, right, you, you, but, and you can learn certain things from these pages, right, about that. And then on the date, right, there are certain things you can observe through direct evidence, right, their appearance, uh, their personality, what they tell you about themselves, right, these all go in Aquinas' first category of truths. But there are a bunch of things about that person on that date that you could never know unless they told you. Right? Some of their deep, dark secrets, some of their deep insecurities, something that happened to them traumatically in the distant past, things about their family, their crazy uncle that lives in another country who's involved in some weird work. Right? You're probably never going to meet this person. Right? All of these sorts of things would require the person to tell you that because they're not immediately available for verification and evidence just in seeing the person. Aquinas thinks there are things in this first set of truths. He thinks the existence of God, for example, is available to human reason. That many atheists and the Greek philosophers, for example, came to believe in the credibility of belief in God without God saying anything through divine revelation. He thinks there are other things like the objectivity of moral values, for example, that fit into the first set of truths. But a lot of the aspects and doctrines and teachings of our faith fall into the second camp. They rely on the credibility of Jesus and the inspiration of the church to tell us that this is what God has revealed, even though there's no direct independent verification for that. Prime example, of course, for Aquinas is the Trinity. The Trinity is not probably something we would have come up with on our own, right? 
we would have probably thought kind of one is one, right? An individual person and is, that's the thing. And so it falls on our belief in that this is what God has revealed to us in the scriptures and through the inspiration of the church. That's what's required to believe in this way. And so the scriptures speak of it. It's not as clear as we would like it sometimes, right? We do see things in the life of Jesus. He says, I and the Father are one, right? If you hear me, you hear the Father, right? There are things like this. There are also things that start to speak of the personification of the breath of God, of the spirit of God, of the wisdom of God. We heard that a little bit in our first reading. And so the spirit starts to be personified, right? Given a personal nature throughout the scriptures. But it still took the church about three, four hundred years to digest what God had revealed in the scriptures, to process it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and to formulate the Trinitarian belief that we hold as Christians today. The creed that we'll say here in a few minutes is formulated in 325, right? The Nicene Creed. And the section on the Holy Spirit is added in 381 at the Council of Constantinople. So it took the church three to four centuries to digest what God had said in the scriptures and to formulate that uh, into the Trinitarian uh, belief. And so we believe kind of based on what God told us. It's that second set of truths on the date. It's like it's not directly observable. But there is something really interesting about faith, which is once we accept an article of faith, right, that we wouldn't have necessarily come up with ourselves, then a bunch of other things seem to make sense in light of it. This is the, uh, the, the Latin motto of St. Anselm, the medieval theologian. He said, fides querens intellectum, faith seeking understanding. In other words, we accept an article of faith because we believe the one who says it to us. But then after that, it's, a lot of stuff starts to make sense. So like we might not have come up with the Trinity ourselves, but then once you accept the Trinity, the nature of reality makes a lot of sense. Right? Probably the easiest example, which I know I've said before, is the nature of love. Right? Love, every act of love has three components. Right? A lover, the beloved, and the love exchanged between the two. We'd see it with gift giving is maybe an easier example. There's always a giver, a receiver, and the gift exchanged between the giver and receiver. If you take one of those elements out, you don't have love or gift giving. So love exists as a as a threefold dynamic. Love is a kind of triple reality. And so many theologians and things have said when when the New Testament says God is love, you could basically say it's saying that God exists as lover, beloved, and love. That's been the traditional formulation of the Trinity for us. That God exists as the lover, father, the beloved, the son, and the love between the two as the overflowing into the person of the Holy Trinity. And so it's kind of like once we accept that God's told us this, it's like, oh my gosh, kind of like on that date, once that person tells you something about their past, often their current personality makes sense in light of it. 
right? A bunch of other stuff starts to make sense. Once you accept the testimony, they're telling you about something you can't observe. Often then the rest of who they are, their character, their personality, their behavior starts to make sense in light of it. So too is once we accept an article in faith, often other things in reality start to make sense. But of course, we will always fall short of understanding exhaustively the fullness of what we mean. Right? C.S. Lewis uses the image that the understanding the Trinity is probably like us trying to watch a 3D movie without 3D glasses on. Right? That we're going through life on Earth with limited vision. We just don't have access to the 3D goggles of heaven. Right? And so we can see things, you can see the screen, you can see things going on, but, but your person sitting next to you that's wearing the 3D glasses, they're, they're seeing all sorts of other stuff. They're like, why can't you see this? Because you don't have the right glasses on. So Lewis says, when we get to heaven, we're going to have 3D glasses on. We're going to see reality in its fullness, at its highest pitch, at its highest frequency. And then we're going to understand why three persons can exist in one thing, in one reality, in one substance, as we say. And so on this earth, we try to make up analogies, right? You've probably heard a number of Trinitarian analogies. They all fall short. You know, when I was in, I was in Cincinnati for 10 years of my life, and you know, you know anything about it, they worship Skyline Chili down there. And I, I also, I don't worship it. I do, that's only for God. But it's, it's right below that. <laughs> so I have a, a probably a, an addiction to Skyline Chili. And uh, when, when I was down there, of course, all the priests on Trinity Sunday preach on the Skyline Freeway and the Trinity. Okay? Which I always thought was, it's kind of a problematic analogy, but... But I went to Mansfield for my first assignment, and Mansfield is one of the two towns in the Toledo Diocese that has a skyline chili. It's Mansfield and Lyman. And I've told the bishop, I would have been happy to go my entire priesthood just back and forth. <laughs> Mansfield and Lyman. Mansfield and Lyman. And I remember the first Sunday I was a priest, I was like, I have to reference the skyline freeway, you know, in Mansfield. There's a skyline here. And of course, no one understood because in Cincinnati, it's a cultural thing. In Mansfield, no one went there except for me. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I kept that skyline open single-handedly. But, and so I was like, this isn't a great analogy. And so I was going to retire the analogy, never use it again, except that so many people went to Skyline after that homily that, <laughs> that the owner in my box on Monday morning was $250 in gift cards from the owner. <laughs> because I had I had inspired so many people to attend Skyland, like for the first time after that, um, by this uh, analogy. So anyway, uh, I wish there was one in Toledo, but it's, it's a, yeah. Anyway, what, there's tons of analogies. They all fall short. Of course, we, we try as humans to, to grasp it, right? But again, we've got regular glasses on looking at a reality of 3D. Uh, and so there's always going to be limitations. Just one final word about 
its practical and spiritual application for our life. We can think of this abstractly. But the Trinity reveals who we are as human beings, that we were created for relationality. See, if we're created in the image and likeness of God, and God exists as a communion of persons, then to be made in God's image and likeness means that we were made to live in community, that we were made to live in relationality, not in isolation, not as pure individuals. Right? That's what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. And there's that great plural use in Genesis when God's creating a man and woman. It says, let us make man in our own image and likeness. That plural, us. Right? And, you know, a lot of theologians down through the centuries have said that us, maybe that's a little hint early in the scriptures of the Trinity, right? That there's this almost, there's this interior argument or debate within the, the Godhead, within the nature of God, right? This interior play, right? Debate. What, what do you think about creating human beings in our nature, in our image and likeness? Let us make man in our own image and likeness. We might see hints of the Trinity there on the very first page of Genesis. But God creates us in his image and likeness, and if he exists as a community of persons, of this dynamic of unity and plurality, right, this dynamic between similarity and difference, that's how God exists, then we were created for that. We were created for to live in that kind of relationality. And so, friends, um, we're about to say uh, the Nicene Creed, uh, which Christians have been saying in every liturgy for 1,700 years, to relish in this great mystery, a mystery that we surely don't fully understand, but we believe it because we think God has revealed this to us and told us this about himself. And if we love somebody, we want to know as much about them as we possibly can know. So we want to know this about God, that that's how God exists. God wants us to know that, and it reveals a lot about who we are. So let's relish on this solemnity, the great gift of the Trinity, and let's live the overflow of that love in our lives.